In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Good morning to you as we reach this midpoint in the season of the Great Lent. The homily this morning is about the bitter medicine for the soul. We can think of bitter medicines. Some of us, if we're old enough, may remember having to drink castor oil. (laughs) Hip, hip. (laughs) Uh, Think of modern medicines. I can't think of a more bitter one than chemotherapy. A bitter medicine for healing. The verse I would like to focus on this morning, for whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? And the main point that I would like to get across is this. The cross is the bitter medicine for healing to everyone who desires to be saved from death. Cross, the cross is our bitter medicine. In this gospel, this verse, Jesus says, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself. St. Nikolai offers an interesting perspective on this. He says the first man, Adam, denied himself when he fell into sin, but he denied his real and true self. Seeking from men that they deny themselves, the Lord seeks that they deny their false self. Put more simply, Adam denied the truth and clinged to a lie, and now the Lord seeks of Adam's descendants that they deny the lie and cleave once more to the truth. Therefore, to deny oneself means to deny the deceitful non-being that has been imposed on us in place of our God-given being. We must deny our earth-boundedness that has so far replaced spirituality. Deny the passions that have replaced good works. Deny servile fear that has darkened in us our sonship of God and the grumbling against God that has killed within us a spirit of obedience to Him. We must deny evil thoughts, evil desires, evil deeds. We must deny idolatrous worship of nature and our body. In brief, we must deny all that we reckon is me, but in reality is not us, but the devil and sin and corruption and death. And then he explains this a little further. 
Oh, let us deny the evil habits that have become second nature to us, and let us deny this second nature, for it is not our nature created as God created, but an accumulated and hardened illusion and self-delusion in ourselves, a hypocritical lie that goes by our name and we by it. How often have I said, well, it's just the way I am. Live with it. Get a life. It's just me. That's how I am. And so I think what we're having, being asked to examine ourselves and say, is that just the way I am? Is it? Or is that a lie? Well, I can't remember, you know, I've always been this I've always been this way. I've always thought these things. I've always acted this way. Let's let's look inside and see if we can find this is not really me. This is a mean and evil habit. And to deny that, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus. To deny, uh, that is, our false self that goes by my name and I by it. Take up your cross and follow me. It means the willing acceptance of the hand of providence, every means of healing, bitter though it may be, that is offered. Do great catastrophes fall on you? Be obedient to God's will as Noah was. Is sacrifice demanded of you? Give yourself into God's hands with the same faith as Abraham when he went to sacrifice his son. Is your property ruined? Do your children die suddenly? Suffer it all with patience, cleaving to God in your heart as Job did. Do you remember what Job said when everything was taken away, his family, his livestock, everything, everything was gone. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. This seems almost impossible, doesn't it? Do your friends forsake you? Do you find yourself surrounded by enemies? Bear it all without grumbling. And with faith that God's help is at hand, as the apostles did. I tend to bear it with grumbling. 
He says, bear it without grumbling. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. Why does the Lord add and the gospel? Is it not enough just to say whoever loses his life for my sake? It is not. The Lord says for my sake and the gospel to broaden the reasons for dying to self and living to God, and by this to increase the number of those who are saved. He then is saved who loses his life for Christ the living and immortal. He is also saved who loses his life for the sake of the works in the world, Christ works in the world and his holy teachings. How many, how many people, how many saints on our walls have died for Christ and for the sake of the gospel? That is, they died for the sake of his teachings. This is the bitter side of the medicine. There is another side of the cross. And I'd like to read you a small portion of a hymn by St. Nikolai on the cross. Covered with blood, the saving cross, as though in a grave for a long time, covered with darkness. For three days in darkness, you, that is, the cross, a hero dwelled. And you, O cross, three hundred years under the ground lay. And when Hades, and when from Hades the forefathers Christ liberated, the Lord arose. And when freedom for the church reigned, you, O cross, arose. Think about it. Jesus was three days in the darkness and in Hades and and He took the forefathers, Adam and all of our forefathers, by the hand and rose them out of the darkness into the great light in His resurrection. And St. Nikolai compares the cross that was buried under the earth for 300 years And after 300 years, when the peace of Constantine uh, was declared and the church was able to gain some freedom in the world, the cross rose from the darkness of the earth to, to refresh us, to give us some hope. Yesterday... I attended a memorial funeral. And um, it was hard. It was really hard. Um, My oldest uh, son had a very good friend that they had grown up together. He spent so much time at our house. We felt almost like he was a son. And he died of an overdose of heroin. 
And so what do you do at, at that funeral? You know, if we have a funeral in our church, it doesn't matter if it was Gail Shannon or if it was this young man that died a heron overdose. We do the same thing. And we say the same thing. And what a great comfort that is. What a tremendous comfort. When we don't have a funeral, and when all we have is some kind of a memorial, or what some people might call a celebration of life, now what are we going to do? Now what can we do? I was just groaning and twisting inside. And I looked up, in this church and in the back above the baptistry of this church was a gigantic cross. And I was thinking about today. And just crying out to God, is there, is, is there any hope here for my young friend? Does your cross cover his sin? Is there room at the cross for him? And all I could think of was the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. You've heard this example before, but I'll say it again and make just a slightly different application on it. It's the sword in the fire. And we know that the sword, when it is thrust into a fire, that it takes on the properties of the fire. And, that, and such that if I take it out and press it against your cheek, it'll burn your cheek. The, the, the sword didn't take anything away from the fire, but it took on the properties of the fire. And this is an illustration that the fathers use of us of, of the... Um, the hypostatic union, the union of the divine nature and the human nature in the person of Jesus Christ. And that His human nature was interpenetrated by the divine nature as, a sword, as a, a, the fire interpenetrates the sword. Without taking anything from the divine nature, He took on the properties of, of the divinity so that he could walk on water, so that he could break and multiply bread, so that he could spit on the ground and put mud on a man's eyes and, and make him see, so that he could touch a coffin and the man would, would raise up from the dead. We saw this almighty and life-giving power in the body of Jesus Christ. That body... spilled His blood on the cross. And that cross became interpenetrated with the blood of Jesus Christ. And His blood is life-giving. And so we call the cross the life-giving cross. Because the law 
The cross gives life because it is interpenetrated with the life-giving blood of Jesus Christ. And we come down and we come and we bow down before it. And we say, whatever you put in front of me, Lord Jesus Christ, help me to follow you and to carry my cross. And I know you will help me. You know, someone helped Jesus carry his cross, Simon of Cyrene. And especially during this season of the year, Jesus himself comes and helps us carry our cross. And so may we accept that cross that he has introduced into our life on this day. Let us deny our earthboundedness. Let us deny our evil thoughts, evil desires, evil deeds. Let us deny the idolatrous worship of nature in the body. Let us deny all that we reckon is me, but is in reality not me, but the devil and sin and corruption and illusion and death. Let us deny the evil habits that have become second nature to us. Let us deny this second nature, for it is not our nature as God created it, but an accumulated and hardened illusion and self-delusion in ourselves, a hypocritical lie that goes by my name and me by it. Let us deny to let us strive to lose our old and sinful life. And let us learn that it is more important for a man to save his soul than to gain the whole world. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in this adulterous and sinful generation. The cross is the bitter medicine for healing to everyone who desires to be saved from death. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus Christ, our God, make us worthy in Thy mercy to see the kingdom of God in great power and incomparable glory, where the angels, together with the saints, give glory day and night to Thee, together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen.